Now, on a special edition of In Focus, we're going in-depth on the Indiana impact of the coronavirus as we talk with Senator Todd Young, Congressman Andre Carson, and Congresswoman Susan Brooks, plus former state health commissioner and candidate for governor Dr. Woody Myers, and congressional candidate and state treasurer Kelly Mitchell. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning. Today we're bringing you a special report on the Indiana impact of the coronavirus crisis. And we start with the latest on the state's response to COVID-19. Here's Kayla Sullivan with more. As the number of cases in Indiana continue to rise, Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb making big announcements this past week, including the decision to close all schools until May 1st or later, and also rescheduling the Indiana primary election from May 5th to June 2nd. My plea and my hope is um, that we all understand the gravity of what is surrounding us on a 24-hour, minute-by-minute basis and that the more people who are practicing what we're preaching, the faster we will get through this. Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb says he'll continue talking with other governors, the federal government, and state lawmakers when it comes to future COVID-19 decisions. Reporting from the Indiana State House, Kayla Sullivan for In Focus. Kayla, thanks. Let's also talk about the federal response. More stimulus money now being talked about in Washington. This week we heard from Indiana Senator Todd Young and Congressman Andre Carson. Our focus right now is on trying to get needed money out the door quickly before businesses go out of business, uh, before workers run out of cash, before our society becomes over-anxious and we start to see, um, you know, um, some, some real uh, adverse effects associated with that. And uh, before more people get infected, most importantly, uh, by this coronavirus. And um, that should continue to be our focus. Um, and uh, all the while trying to respend, spend this money as responsibly as possible as we do it quickly. I think it's a time for us to really look at what's important in life. Um, we're seeing the resiliency of the human spirit, no matter your race, your religion, where you come from. All of us can come together, especially as Hoosiers, to help make the world a better place. All right, this week we also spoke with Indiana Congresswoman Susan Brooks, who sat down with our Kayla Sullivan. Well, it is incredibly sad, and my heart goes out to their families and to the healthcare workers who have been caring for these patients. Um, that's what's so incredibly difficult about this disease is that we often don't know if we might be carrying the disease or have the disease. And we have to be particularly concerned about um, the elderly and people who have uh, compromised immune systems, people who have already other serious health problems. They are the most vulnerable. And so I'm very, very sorry um, to learn that we've had another death. Unfortunately, there probably will be more to come. And, um, and so we have to support our healthcare workers, we have to support um, our first responders, we have, to, um, we have to do everything that we possibly can. Safety and the health of our citizens is the top priority of our governments at all level, federal, state, and local, and we're seeing that in action right now. You know, we see people saying that we're doing too much, we see people saying that we're not doing enough. Where do you fall on this spectrum? Yeah, I think we are doing everything 
everything we possibly can. I don't believe that we're certainly doing too much. And that is because this is a novel new coronavirus. It's very strong. We are still learning so much about it. The scientists, the researchers, all the physicians and nurses and everybody on the front line, they're learning so much more about this. And so I don't think we can do too much. Um, I just understand that the um, president just asked anyone, particularly for instance, the construction industry who might have masks that they use to please go donate them to the hospitals and to healthcare workers. We need to comp you know, continue to boost our medical supply chain and continue to try and get masks, gloves, and personal protective gear out to those in the long-term care facilities, out to those, make sure our hospitals have the supplies they need, and we're very concerned about that. So we don't want people hoarding things that they actually might have that they're not using. We need to get those to the medical professionals who need them. President Donald Trump just three weeks ago said he wasn't very concerned about this virus. Now, a much different tone. He's had a change of, he's had a change of heart. Do you wish that this message was out sooner? Well, I think, you know, government leaders try to keep people calm. They try to get people not to panic. They want people to be prepared, not panic. And so I think he was trying to be optimistic. And that is in large part because the United States of America actually has the number one health system in the world. John Hopkins University said that the Global Health Security Index, where they've measured all these countries, the United States is first in the world. So we do have the best medical professionals, the best researchers, the, me the best system. And so I think he's relying on that. And that's not to say that we're not going to still see a huge number of cases. That's why we're taking these dramatic steps of social distancing changing from 250 people to 50 people down to 10 people. You know, um, Italy has taken quarantining in homes. Whether or not that might happen, I think will depend on whether or not we can flatten this curve and start to see numbers go down. But we're, as Dr. Fauci of the NIH, I think has so, and Dr. Debbie Burks, Deborah Burks um, have been telling us, we are going to see an increase as, as we do have community spread and that's why people of all ages, um, young people who you know, feel very invincible, they're very healthy, they don't feel like they can get this. The problem is they don't know if they have it for up to two weeks. They could be spreading it to older people, to people with health issues. And that's why everybody has to take this seriously. So I've got a question from sure. a viewer, Robin Tubbs. Why are more people not being tested? Well, we've got a situation where we didn't have enough tests that had been uh, produced initially. Now that, and what has happened is that the private sector, Roche Diagnostic, you know, here in Indianapolis, really stepped up and they have quickly are able to now produce and have found a way to get their tests into, um, you know, into hospital systems. So the private sector has really stepped up and is now ramping up production. These things just don't happen overnight. And you can see much more on our website, including our interview with the president of the Indiana State Medical Association. We have all of that along with all our coronavirus coverage right there on our homepage. Coming up next this Sunday in Focus, we're talking about the state's coronavirus response with Indiana's former state health commissioner, who's now running for governor. We'll have that ahead. Stick around. We'll be right back.
to those who think that we may be overreacting, uh, I can assure you that we are not. It just underscores how incredibly important it is and timely that social distancing is the best way at this moment to slow the spread of COVID-19. Governor Eric Holcomb speaking about the state's response to the coronavirus crisis. This past week, I also spoke with former state health commissioner and candidate for governor, Dr. Woody Myers. You released a plan this past week. What would your plan entail and accomplish? And do you feel the state is doing enough right now? Well, in answer to your last question first, no, I don't. We are behind uh, in the state of Indiana. Uh, there are a number of things I think we should do, we could do to help us to move forward quicker, uh, and we haven't done them yet from everything I can see. Our Surgeon General has told us uh, that we're probably two to four weeks behind Italy, uh, and if you listen to what's happening in Italy today, their healthcare system is overwhelmed with people needing testing, people needing treatment. We can do a lot more in Indiana to get ready for that now. And one of the things I've called for is for us to create a leadership group that meets regularly, that includes all sectors, not just our friends in public health and in healthcare services, but the business community, the labor community, in law enforcement, the judicial system, because we're all gonna need to work together as leaders to make some very tough decisions. The education system, for instance, is in, it's in turmoil right now. What are we going to do for the kids that don't have access to online resources to, to get their education completed this year and, and probably next? What are we going to do uh, for the homeless population uh, that today may be uninfected, but tomorrow could be infected? And if they are infected with the coronavirus and they spread it throughout the homeless community or in the shelter, what are we going to then do with that confined group of people? What are we going to do, Dan, for the nursing home patients? We know that the uh, pandemic uh, in Washington state was centered around a nursing home where the virus was not contained. And then what are we going to do if, unfortunately, it finds its way into a major prison or a jail in, in our state? What are the plans that we have in place to take care of those people, to take care of the guards and to protect the public all at the same time? Do you want to see more businesses um, close down and what would be the impact to our state's economy if additional businesses do have to close? The impact to the economy has already been devastating and I think unfortunately that's going to continue for a while. That's why we need income support, we need paid leave, we need long-term uh, plans both at the state and the federal level to support uh, the income of those people who live check to check, and that might be up to 75% of the population. Limiting the number of people that are around you is the only way we have today to reduce the rapidity of spread. We don't have a good treatment. We don't have a vaccine. Those are being planned for, but it's many, many months from now before we can count on either being uh, available. You feel uh, some of this was done too late in the game, I take it. Where did we break down in terms of that response? Do you feel uh, some of that blame should be pointed at the federal level, the state level? Are we at a point even where we should be talking about blame or should we get through this crisis first? Well, they're, they're, we'll do the retrospective down the road and, and talk about the fact that it was called a hoax for a long time, and it, of course, wasn't. We can talk about the, the number of predictions that were made about how many tests were available, and they weren't. Uh, but now is the time to focus, I think, on the present and the future. We have an opportunity today to, over the next 30 to 60 days, get ready for what I believe will be a surge 
uh, that will challenge us unlike previous uh, healthcare surges uh, or epidemics that we've had before. We've got to get ready for that, and I don't think we are. Uh, directly, I want to ask you, what, what would you do differently in terms of messaging uh, as governor and your thoughts on Governor Holcomb's response specifically? Uh, I believe the governor has not been aggressive. The governor has been reactive instead of pr proactive. Convening is one of the major powers that the governor has. We need to convene leaders in all sectors to deal with the enormity of this public health emergency today. There are great people working on this in the State Department of Health, but we still don't have seven-day-a-week testing availability. We need to forget about Saturdays and Sundays and holidays. This needs to be all hands on deck right now in all departments and all agencies of, of government. And I don't think it is yet. Uh, some of our viewers have reached out with questions uh, in this uh, sort of digital town hall format that we're sharing today. Uh, Robin Tubbs wanted to know why are more people not being tested? Because the, the availability of testing is still limited. The last time I looked, uh, there had been 159 tests uh, in a state with 6.6 .6 million people that test by the State Department of Health. That has to expand extremely rapidly. We have to make testing universally available, irrespective of whether it's a private sector lab or a public health department. And what this is doing, Dan, is it's exposing the weakness in our public health infrastructure in Indiana. Our health care departments at the local level have been underfunded for decades, and they do not have the capacity today to respond in the way we would like for them to with respect to this public health emergency. It, it shows that we should have paid much more attention to this in the past, but we can correct that by bringing in some of those dollars that we've been saving in our rainy day fund and applying them to local health departments and to hospitals and clinics that need them and to the homeless population right now. All right. This week, I also spoke with state treasurer and candidate for Congress, Kelly Mitchell. How does this affect really every layer of political life at this point as we discuss ways to slow the spread of this virus in Indiana and beyond. Well, it's really important that, that we do this. My campaign was the first to go virtual last week because we put the health and safety of Hoosiers above everything else. Obviously, it's very different as a candidate. We're, we're used to going door to door and shaking hands and being at every event and talking to people. So we have to be creative and innovative and make use of technology in order to still reach out to people because this election is so important. Do, do you support the moves that are being made in Congress both to address this virus and the economic crisis that could be at hand because of the moves that we've had to make? I do. I absolutely do. I think everyone, it, you know, everything's on the table. Everyone's working around the clock trying to make a difference, uh, a real difference for the people uh, who are being impacted greatly by this pandemic. Are you concerned, though, about the number of testing kits that are out there right now and about the speed at which those seem to be getting out to the public? Do we need to be testing more people? I do think if people want to be tested, need to be tested, they absolutely should be tested. You know, right here in the 5th District, Roche Diagnostics um, has been, Diagnostics has been given uh, the green light to start producing these tests, and they are doing so uh, at a great rate, and they're, they're serving our state and the country. Uh, obviously, you talk about the, the need for testing, and, and I have to ask you, too, because it's become also a part of the political dynamic, uh, some criticism 
uh, toward President Trump for saying recently that if you want a test, you can get a test. As recently as three weeks ago, he said, we have 15 cases. He felt soon there would be none. Do you feel the federal government or the White House uh, could have uh, addressed this situation more urgently in recent weeks uh, to prevent where we are now? It's hard to see what more they can do when every single day they keep telling and showing everything that they're doing, um, indicating they're prioritizing taking care of uh, Americans in, during this pandemic. Um, sure, you know, we need more tests. Um, and as I said recent or in the last answer, uh, we're, we're working on that right here in the 5th District. It's all hands on deck right now, and everyone's doing their part. Okay, much more coming up next this Sunday in Focus. We'll talk with our panel about this coronavirus crisis. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right, let's bring in some of our panelists now to talk about this week's top stories and the state's coronavirus response. Joining us this week, Indie Star columnist James Briggs. We also have contributing editor for Politico and Indianapolis Monthly, Adam Wren with us as well. He's also the author of the Importantville newsletter on Indiana politics. And to talk about the economic impact in our state, Pete the Planner, Peter Dunn, with us today as well. Lots to talk about, obviously, in terms of the state's response. But, James, I, I want to start with you. You've written a lot about this here in the Indy Star in recent days and weeks. How has the state and local response to this crisis evolved here in recent days? I feel a lot better about where we are now than I did a week or so ago. Um, when last week started, uh, there was no indication yet that bars and restaurants would be closed in Indiana, even though all neighboring states had done so. Um, there really had been no effort to shut down entertainment venues, even though we were approaching St. Patrick's Day. I was really worried going into the week. On Monday, Governor Holcomb did go ahead and announce that bars and restaurants would close across the state. Um, I argued then that he probably should have gone further and also announced that all Indiana schools would close. There were still 16 school districts open as of the start of the week. Uh, he did make that move by Thursday. I think we're, we're en we ended the week in a better place than where we began. Um, I think Governor Holcomb moved a little bit slowly at times, but also has done well in other ways. For instance, he's been working well with local and federal officials for aid for businesses, uh, for veterans, that kind of thing. And also, he hasn't moved as slowly as some governors in other states, like Florida moved extremely slowly in closing beaches. Oklahoma's governor was out encouraging people to go into crowded restaurants. That was not very smart. So I think Governor Holcomb has had mixed success, but he's, he's been better than a lot of other governors. And you mentioned those beaches in Florida, which, which obviously raises the question if enough people are taking this seriously yet, and how important is the response from every layer of government when it comes to getting people to take this seriously? Adam, there has been a bit of an evolution in that regard in terms of the messaging on this virus. That's right. Uh, you know, when you look at uh, the Indiana Congressional Fifth District, uh, and you look at uh, the Republicans and Democrats on the race, uh, in the race, they have really sort of escalated their response to this. At first, some candidates like Carl Brizzy saying that, uh, you know, we were making too much of this. We were overreacting. And uh, it was the liberal media that was attacking President Trump over his response to coronavirus. But just this week, uh, you're seeing these same candidates take this very seriously. Uh, this is something that's not only upending uh, people's lives and um, schooling and, and business throughout the state, it's also upending our primary. Pete, what about the economic impact here? H how bad of a hit will this be for the Hoosier state? Well, the good news is the Hoosier state operates on a surplus. Uh, we have billions of dollars in reserve. I think we're going to need all of them. 
I mean, this is a once in a hundred year event. I wish it were a once in a thousand year event, but it's once in a hundred. Uh, Dan, I think we're going to dry up the state's reserves. I also think there's going to be a huge impact on businesses, both small and large. I've already seen one stat that suggested that 9% of people have already lost their jobs and one in four at 25%, I did the conversion for you, are taking a pay cut or an, an hourly cut. So, uh, so far, week one of this disaster, uh, of the economic realization that it's a disaster, it's a disaster. Uh, so the economic impact, no doubt, is large. James, uh, what about the political impact in an election year? One of the interesting things you saw this week was uh, Woody Myers sort of reemerge in the media and uh, remind everyone that there's a gubernatorial race this year and also that he happens to be a doctor and has some credibility speaking to these issues. So he uh, did quite a bit of media, including a conference call with reporters this week, um, shared in, I think, a very moderate tone his vision for what Indiana should be doing um, some of those things like closing all the schools Governor Holcomb did eventually do on Thursday. Uh, but it's, it's going to be tough, especially for a candidate like Woody Myers running as an underdog to even remind people in the midst of a crisis like this that an election is coming, much less gain traction in any sort of campaigning. And Adam, you spoke with Dr. Myers as well and also uh, recently profiled Surgeon General Jerome Adams. So many Hoosiers really on the front lines of this fight in Washington, D.C. You see them every day standing behind the president and the vice president in the task force briefings. That's right. Whether it's uh, Seema Verma at CMS or Alex Azar at HHS or Jerome Adams at Surgeon General, Hoosiers are really on the front lines of this. And, uh, you know, for any of, the, uh, of them who have, uh, you know, designs on running for public office in the future, you know, this is really going to be a big moment for them. The vice president uh, included uh, on this, you know, in, in some ways, his response and the federal government's response to this will be their legacies. Uh, and so it's important to get to get it right. Uh, you know, many have, uh, figures have said that the virus uh, has no partisanship. And I think good ideas uh, also have no partisanship either. Peter Dunn, James Briggs, Adam Wren, thank you all so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. We'll be back to wrap things up right after this. Stick around. Right, much more to come this morning. Fox News Sunday will have the very latest coming up at the top of the hour. You can also find more coronavirus coverage on our website at fox59.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.